Good evening and welcome to United Soccer FC. Uh, joining me tonight is going to be Kayla Hodges uh, from Hammering Down Podcast, which is presented by Beham Sports, um, who, in my opinion, has picked up the torch from uh, Birmingham Backline, who used to do the podcasting for Birmingham Legion FC. Um, I think it's just this year that I finally stopped calling them the Hammers after somebody called me out on Reddit saying, hey, they're not the Hammers, they're the Legion. And I was like, I never... Never stop that association. So, uh, for it here, but uh, thank you for joining, uh, Kayla. Here, how are you doing? Hey, man, I can't complain. I'm doing pretty well. Right before I hopped on, got my little workout in, so I'm feeling good. Got the blood flowing, and I'm I'm ready to jump on into this. So, I wasn't going to bring this up, but uh, you know, I asked the question just uh, before, and then you said, "Hey, it's okay to talk about it here." The history of uh, Birmingham Legion coming in with the switch from the Hammers. Uh, a lot of times you hear these stories and we'll just say they're not always the positive uh, in how moving from NPSL or you know PDL2, well, it's not really PDL because that's more USL League 2, but going from NPSL to the professional ranks with USL, there you know hasn't been a you know the most positive. So that transition to go from Birmingham hammers to the Legion, how did that process go? And, and was, you know, was it well received in Birmingham? Yeah. So it was, it's really interesting. You mentioned a lot of the horror stories and I guess this is a free jab at them, but not really because actually it really makes me mad. Uh, the Memphis mm -hmm. uh, transition from the PDL with us, we came up the same exact year from the same leagues. We followed each other pretty much the whole time. And it was very obvious that the new Memphis front office didn't really care. And I think that's pretty obvious to everybody now. But we never had that experience with Legion FC in Birmingham. Uh, USL to Birmingham has been something that's been rumored forever. It seems yeah. like as long as USL has been around, Birmingham was always the next team to get a uh, was the next city to get a team. It was always the next one, and finally the Hammers started picking up some traction. Probably most nights, probably a couple hundred. I would say like six, seven hundred, which for fourth division soccer in America is not bad. Um, and then you know maybe a thousand here, two thousand here. Uh, so finally we got picked up, uh, by the wonderful work of Morgan, who I've interviewed on my podcast, who is just a fantastic guy, uh, Morgan and oh, I'm blanking on the other guy's name. I think it's John. Uh, they own the hammers. Well, eventually USL comes knocking and we have good owners. Uh, some of them own the, the Barons and other teams like that and other groups like that. And, it was a very smooth transition for us as the fans because there was a ton of fan interaction. There was a ton of let's listen to the supporters. Uh, the last year for the hammers, pretty much it was just being <laughs> kind of shoved down our throat of, Hey guys, we're not the hammers anymore. We're <laughs> going to be the Legion Are And is that okay? Like, Here's some Legion merch here. Buy this Jersey that says Legion on it. Here's a free magnet that says Legion basically preparing us. Um, and then the last match, uh, our general manager and president of the club, Mr. Jay heaps, he came out and he basically had a Q and a, he came out to the tailgate where people were drinking. Everybody was having a good time. He did not partake in the drinking, but, that's okay. He didn't have to, uh, but <laughs> it was basically 
we were all in a round circle. People were throwing out questions like, hey, man, is pro rel happening? Uh, what is, what's the Legion looking like doing? What are we, what kind of players are we targeting? How do you, why do you, or why did you choose Birmingham? And why are you choosing us? Because it's not just a city, it's us. Mm-hmm. And he answered those questions and they were all really good answers. And some of, and what made it really nice is that whenever you have someone like Jay and you have Morgan who started the hammers, who was down at the, who was down on the sideline with on in front of the supporter section during the hammers matches. And then he'll come out to the tailgates or he may when always come out to the tailgates, but he'll pop his head around every now and then. And there was a lot, you would have those guys around and a lot of interaction and it made us feel like we mattered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it'd be like, it is. And it's so important. It's not just like, Hey, there was a soccer team here before. Now we're the soccer team. It's this, it, it felt like it was our club from the beginning and not just USL planting a team in Birmingham, which is basically what happened. Mm-hmm. But Jay and the ownership and with the help of Morgan, pretty much said this is going to start off as the fans club and it's going to grow from there. So as an overall positive experience, I have had my very verbal uh, issues with the club. I'm mm-hmm. not afraid to throw those out on Twitter and it's not because I am critical of Legion because I hate them. It's because I care so much. Right. And I think the reason I care is because they showed that they cared about us. Right. from the beginning if they just said screw you we're the new team come watch our you know come watch our games buy a season ticket or don't we don't care i probably wouldn't care as much as i do and i find because i'm not very bashful either uh i'll just say and i've asked you know the the safc communication guys you know because sometimes i feel like i walk up to that line but i try not to jump over it and you know, they, you know, both, you know, Preston and Luis both have mentioned that it's, it's people like us that will say, Hey, what's going well, what's going great. And what's, what's okay. And what's not going well is the feedback that they need and they need yeah. to hear. And, you know, as long as you don't cross too many, uh, you know, lines there, uh, they're typically okay. Cause it shows, as you mentioned, that you care. Uh, Cause if you don't care, you just you just shrug it off. You see what's happening in in Charlotte now, where you know not to get into that, but you know where the ownership has done the anti, uh, you know what what the Legion did, um, you know, and, and through there to where it destroyed a good thing. Well, I won't say it destroyed, but it's hurting. It's it's hurting, and and they're not feeling like they have a voice. So I would rather have what we have, where you know is everything perfect? No. Um, will everything ever be perfect? No, but, uh, you know, at least, you know, they listen now, whether they take action or not, you know, that's, you know, as I say, that's above our pay grade and, and, you know, as long as they listen and, and they acknowledge and you see some movement, you know, I think that's a positive. Um, but I doubt we'll ever see both fan bases ever be a hundred percent happy, which, you know, expectations raise that. Yeah, so, for sure. Game day for Legion FC. So, obviously, I'm in the West. Um, I've never, you know, I've driven through Birmingham, I think, once, but I've never been to a game. Um, What is it like at BBVA uh, Stadium here? Uh, You know, kind of what's the environment? 
Uh, we'll just go game, you know, we'll go game environment and then we'll do kind of pre and post game supporters along those lines here. But uh, just to kind of get an idea, if, uh, you know, if you were to go to, you know, uh, BBVA Stadium and watch a Legion FC, what can you expect? So it's kind of interesting because obviously last year being COVID year, it brings interesting uh, issues and interesting right. turning points, actually. So I'm not going to get too far into the pregame. And when I, when I want to say is pregame is everything outside the stadium. Right. So inside the stadium, it's basically a tailgate where they have food trucks set up. They have, they're all local food trucks. And let me tell you, this is so off the, not off the record, but so off rail. But one of the food trucks serves, it's basically sushi tacos. Oh, nice. And it's so good. It, it looks disgusting. I looked at it. I'm like, I don't want to get that. It's so good. If you ever come out, you have to try the sushi tacos anyway. Um, they have all sorts of stuff set up. It's all, excuse me, it's all local. It's, and it's just a really good environment. Beforehand, during a normal year, the Magic State Brigade, the supporter section, they pretty much have a mini pep rally and kind of in the corner. They didn't want to put them in the middle for obvious reasons. I mean, that's probably a fire hazard if I had to guess. Mm -hmm. um, but they have them kind of in the corner, basically a drum practice. Sometimes, like for me, I'll play a brass instrument. And we'll go from there. It gets some people over like, oh, this is interesting. More we'll learn about the brigade and get people hyped up for the match. And then there's the march from basically inside the stadium, but from the pep rally area to the actual where they where this uh, SG stands. Mm -hmm. um, this is it's really interesting because BBVA is very small. It is a 6,000 capacity. You might be able to fit a few more, maybe. I'm pretty sure our first ever match was 6,100-ish, uh, but that was standing area general admission was <laughs> shoulder to shoulder, have fun. Not very COVID-friendly. <laughs> um, yeah, no, wouldn't be accepted <laughs> at least probably last year and maybe for the start of this year. Yeah. Um, so in a normal year, there is a lot of singing, a lot of chanting, and the big thing that we have is a we kind of a drum section. It's not like uh, another Memphis reference. Memphis has a full like drum line mm -hmm. there. We have people that bring their own drums, and half of us, including myself, even though I do music for a living, just can't keep beat. But we're just there having a good time. Everybody's just they. Everybody has flags, and whenever we want to make a lot of sound, instead of waving the flags, we'll we'll stomp or the the flagpoles onto the metal bleachers, which makes a ton of sound. Um, it's a really rowdy group most of the time. Uh, singing's getting there, but I mean, but just making noise, we're up there. It's a lot of fun. Uh, for everybody else, funny enough, during the COVID year when there was less people around and less people singing, or not less people singing, but less people in the stands, we had more people singing we have more people joining chants i didn't always sit in the sg section because my girlfriend doesn't like sitting in that area because <laughs> it is so loud right and well, you uh, can't really to me if you're sitting in in the supporter group section like i'm part of the crock of tears but i set you know because i have what tw uh, twins tw you know uh, a boy and a girl twins so we have their it's near but i found that when you go to the supporter group section 
it's more about the chanting, the singing, and and yeah, I don't, I can't carry a tune, so I wouldn't bang well, on the drums to save my life. But um, it's more about being part of that than than actually watching the game sometimes uh, for that here. So that's why we have our seats a little bit, you know, a little. It's in the area, but a, you know, a little bit away from that. Um, you know, because my son loves to be able to watch, and especially like pregame, being able to watch. You know, we sit next to or, or you know behind the goal where the uh, away teams typically warm up, and uh, so he's able to kind of watch them warm up. And you know, he's a shoe guy for whatever reason, and he's like, "Oh, look at those shoes!" And I'm like, uh, <laughs> "Yes, okay, cool." But um, to me, I found you know the, the supporter groups is not for everyone. No, but I do think that everybody should go and experience it at least once or twice a, twice a year just because you know i know the crocketeers mission city i'm, I'm assuming the supporters group um you know i think you said what was the name magic city brigade uh, magic city brigade you know they put on a hell of a show and, and it's and it's awesome to be able to go support them you know you know a couple of times a year you know whether it's for a half or you know on those lines just to you know give them some love and and you know, let's be honest, you know, when goals are scored and the smoke goes off, the camera goes to that section and seeing yep. a full section is better than seeing, you know, a half empty section. So, so I like sitting in there and like I was saying, more of the stadium at during COVID's time mm-hmm. started singing and chanting along. I decided because my girlfriend doesn't like sitting in that section because it is so loud. We sat on the opposite side, pretty much as far away from the supporter section as you could get. And there were people behind us that were singing and chanting and stomping and clapping along for all ninety. And it was like, wait oh, a nice. minute, this is this is picking this is picking up. It's not big yet, but it's getting there. And I think that's the biggest thing I can say about the atmosphere at BBVA is that it's growing. Um, we've we sell out, maybe not sell out, but we have a full stadium because it is six thousand. We'll have four thousand five thousand six thousand just about every single night so it feels full it feels like mm-hmm. it's electric every single time but it seems like every single match it just gets louder and louder and louder and people get more comfortable people understand maybe they the get used and to outs. the chance and stuff correct and it's really it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun for being inside the game the my only complaint about bbva is that Admittedly, the stands are a little bit farther away from the pitch than I would like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish we were a lot closer because there, since it is so small and intimate, if we were closer to the pitch, I feel like fans could have even a bigger impact, which could be a good or bad thing because against Baby Bulls two years ago, uh, we made their keeper so mad he got a red card and then he uh, kicked the ball at us and started cussing us out, which was awesome. Um, <laughs> you did your job. <laughs> we did our job, but yeah, I mean, it's a really fun, intimate environment. And if people are uncomfortable with the idea of soccer, or trying to figure out what to do, it's a great place because most of the fans there are also learning how to be soccer fans. And it's really fun to see the evolution because for me, I grew up watching, I kind of know what it's about, but not everybody did. And it's really fun seeing the crowd year after year get more and more educated one other question about the pregame and, and the reason why i ask this um because your captain mikey lopez uh, played a year here in san antonio and he is from south texas and we have tailgates uh yes you know pregame so pregame do you guys have tailgates and at least when 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 the lopez family came in it was legendary because 
you know, number one, you know, was near near where they lived, but they just brought an, an entirely different atmosphere, you know, with it, you know, coming from that here. So um, do you guys happen to have tailgates to where maybe you've been able to experience, uh, you know, the Mikey Lopez family uh, pregame? Uh, we'll just leave it at that. We haven't had Mikey's family out, unfortunately, but tailgates are big. Um, I guess small rest in peace, large Marge, which was the RV for uh, Trent was owner. Basically it was an RV. We would go in, we would play FIFA inside or outside. We would watch matches outside. We would be grilling everything. I'm pretty sure one time we had a whole pig inside this, <laughs> uh, inside of his giant smoker and just awesome stuff. Everybody's chugging beers. Everybody's doing their thing. A lot of fun. Uh, but unfortunately, large Marge got hit by a semi about a oh, month no. ago. <laughs> so we don't obviously COVID year. This is probably the best year for this to happen because we don't, we have a whole year to figure out what are we going to do with an RV now or what new RV, yeah. but it's a, it, the tailgates are a ton of fun. People are eating, people are having a good time. People show up probably like three, four hours early. And it is just, you <laughs> Uh, for me, because I wasn't always 21 going to these matches. So for me, I stayed sober the whole time. But watching the evolution of someone showing up completely sober to marching into the stadium and you have no idea what words are coming out of their mouth is awesome. I mean, it is, it's a fun environment. And everybody at the tailgates is extremely friendly. I mean, people will be walking by, whether they're in the SG or not. They're like, hey, come get some food. We have all this food. Please eat our food. We have too much. Um, just stuff like that. The pregame is a great time. So for traveling fans, uh, and I wanted to pose this to you earlier, so that way if you needed to do some research uh, that you, well, you could, you know, because uh, I was looking at it with us being in a group of seven. Uh, we have eight away matches. So you figure four and four, uh, for me, I'm looking at Birmingham's about a 13 hour drive, about eight hundred eight hundred and sixty two miles or so. So to me, that's a doable drive, uh, you know, to, to be able to, to go to Birmingham. So, uh, if an away supporter, uh, was to come to Birmingham, what's, you know, what's the places that you got to hit if you're going to be spending a night or two in, in Birmingham, you know, or, you know, even just same day, you know, like I know in Oklahoma City, I always recommend, you know, the Children's Museum that they have up there. Um, but, you know, for, you know, for Birmingham, you know, for away fans, where, you know, where should they go if, if they're there just for a short period of time? So let's, I have uh, two different answers for you. And one's going to be if you're here for, uh, two to three days and ones if you're here for just that day if you're here for two to three days you need to go to the civil rights museum it is just i mean it it, it will make you cry i don't know what else to tell you it, it is a much needed experience and with so much history in birmingham it's all there and you'll get the raw emotion of it and it's it's beautiful it's a beautiful Especially place the time we're in right now that probably even hit home even more Oh, it's, it's a lot and it's, it's a must go. I go once a year because it's just that good. Um, then you have the Vulcan state park, which the Vulcan is a giant iron statue, which I think Vulcan is the 
god of steel in greek mythology i'm not sure on that he is some god of some metal and <laughs> something and he stands over birmingham and you can see him from bbva field um but it's a giant statue um that it's there it's really fun you can go up to the top i think the monument itself is I mean, it's several 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 hundred feet tall it's very very cool uh Fun fact about it, part of the Vulcan was sent to St. Louis for the World Fair. And along the way, part of it got lost. This, oh, no. <laughs> this giant metal statue got lost, and no one knows where it is. They can't find it, and they still haven't found it. I don't know what could have happened to that thing. I, <laughs> I don't know. Um, if you don't want to do that, or if you did do that, because it will take a little bit, right near Vulcan is the Botanical Gardens and the zoo. The zoo is awesome. It's it's like every zoo, but it's it's a good trip. But the botanical gardens are free, and it's just oh, a nice. massive, massive, beautiful place. So if you just want to sit down and relax, you can barely hear cars going by. It's just isolated. It's it's gorgeous, and it's free. <laughs> and I'm um, assuming I did one of those in Phoenix. I'm assuming the one in Birmingham will be cooler and probably a little bit more greener. Uh, a, lot, a lot more green, <laughs> definitely a lot more green, but a lot more humid than Phoenix, yes. much yes. more humid. Um, and then other places is there's all sorts of barbecue joints. You can pick your choice. Old uh, Hammers sponsor was Sauce. Sauce has some of the best barbecue I've ever had. Really good. And there's some bars. The Good People uh, Brewery is a good place to go. There's all sorts of bars downtown, so if you want to go there before the match, you can. Uh, if you're doing the day of, I definitely recommend going to Vulcan. I think that's a must. Maybe the Botanical Gardens. But honestly, you could probably, if it's in the middle of the summer, go watch a Barons game. It's right there. Um, it's still one of the newest ballparks in all of mm -hmm. America. Um it's one of the nicest. I think it was rated the fifth nicest in all of minor league baseball. It's gorgeous. It has a wonderful view of the city right beside Railroad Park, and it's right near BBVA. And if if you're real lucky and you're here for multiple days and you're here for the Rickwood Classic, which is the oldest baseball park in America, and they play there, which is where the Black Barons played, and then – They'll go to Regions Field, which is at one point was the newest ballpark in America. Mm -hmm. So it was really interesting, the newest and the oldest. But it's a fun experience. Those are the things I would recommend if you're here for a couple of days or just for one day. It's not your big metro uh, like your Dallas's or your L.A.'s mm -hmm. or your New York's. But there's definitely some small hole in the wall places or small outside places that are really, really nice. So, biggest rivals of Legion FC, obviously Memphis. Uh, you, know, you mentioned that you you brought them up, and you know, probably for you, you know, you're you're excited about how their off season's going so far. Um, but to me, it's a yikes. Uh, you know, it's a big yikes. When they, when they came in, yeah, I was like, hey, because I, I was actually born in Memphis. My mom lives in Memphis, so I have you know some ties to you know to Memphis. Uh, so, to me. I won't lie to you. It's a little disappointing to see the track that they're on right now. And, you know, we'll see if they can turn it around or if it's, you know, you know, going to be, a, a you know, I have a feeling it's going to be a lean year, but, you know, is this, you know, final stages of, of Memphis? You, you know, I think you're kind of getting to that question where how committed is, is that organization? 
Um, but you know, the biggest rivals of, of Legion FC, um, obviously Memphis, but is there others? You know, you say obviously Memphis, but I don't know anymore. Um, back when it was like NPSL and PDL days, that was when it was a real rivalry. I remember those Memphis days and I just woke up mad. I was just <laughs> like, I hate those guys. I hate everything they stand for. Now their fans don't really care much about the rivalry because for a while, all they cared about was Nashville because I was in state. Right. Um, and since they moved on, uh, they just didn't really care that much. We tried to make the rivalry, which with the Birmingham city boys that that became ugly and it was awesome. Um, but outside of Memphis, which is a rivalry ish, we don't have one. Um, last year we started kind of a rivalry with Charlotte. But it wasn't really with the fans. It was with their player, Martinez, who had a man bun, and we hated him for that. Don't know <laughs> why. But every time he played, it made me mad. And so we started uh, – Charlotte became fun. Um, Tampa Bay, there was a little bit of animosity there for a little bit, but that was because we were the closest team to Tampa Bay. So they were like, yeah, screw those guys. We're just going to be mad at them. And we're like, hey, screw you too. And then and Miami came into the picture and they kind of stopped caring and we didn't play them for a while. So we didn't really care much either. But we're kind of in a no man's you land. Don't we play don't play this year, right? They're in they're in the east and you guys are more in the which in the, uh, central. We'll get there, but for Legion, that is awesome news because Tampa Bay is they are a nightmare. But yeah, but you're with Lou City, so one or the other. I'd rather go with Loose City, 100%, but I'll eat my words on that later, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, there was a brief little point where Loose City got a little bit, uh, there was a little bit of animosity there, but it was like a one-day thing, never really anything big. But we don't really have any rivals, which is something that really sucks. It's because I want to go to the stadium, and I, I equally hate every team. But I want to have one team that I just that gets my blood boiling, and we don't really have that right now. Yeah, and, and you know, because there's really not another discount, you know, taking away Memphis, there's really not another Southeast team at this point in, you know, in the Southeast. You got the Florida with um, Tampa and, and Miami, and then you got, you know, the coastal teams with, uh, you know, Charlotte and, and um, not uh, North Charleston. Carolina. Yeah. Charleston. Um, there's two yeah. nodded. But that's a two team, and they're always bad. Yeah, I don't count two teams. Although yeah. I do think baby I was count. listening to <laughs> a I forget which podcast it was because I you know I listen to a lot of podcasts um, uh, for here. They were saying Atlanta United is probably a you know and this was last year was probably a year or two away from their their because you know they're what two year two year three. So assuming that they've been able to keep the youth, that they're a year or two away from being kind of like Red Bulls, uh, Real Monarchs, where they had that that batch of talent that was maturing and, and finally developing before it, you know goes up to um, Atlanta United, you know the the main squad. So it'll be interesting if if this year that they get the help from you know from Atlanta United because uh, last year really the two teams couldn't get really any assistance from them due to, due to COVID yeah. but for this year to see what the talent that they have, if they're able to sprinkle in some of those MLS ish 
players, you know, that, you know, on the bottom of the roster to be able to get them some minutes uh, for here. And I don't think that they'll be competitive every week by any means, but if you can get a solid two team, that's got that experience, they could be sneaky. Um, yeah. Uh, fun fact about Atlanta uh, United Sioux is that that was originally supposed to be us. Uh, Atlanta was like, yo, you're in Birmingham. We want to make you our two team. And our front office was like, no, screw that. We're doing this on our own. This is going to be our baby. We don't want to be under your umbrella, which I'm so happy we did. But Atlanta you wouldn't, United. You would, but how we discussed earlier you know, about, hey, it went, went well. That would have went horribly. It would not have went well at that point. Yeah, I mean, I'm really glad that it happened the way it did. Atlanta United, I could see them being a sneaky, like, low dose where mm-hmm. one day they'll beat a uh, top team probably like 2-0, maybe 2-1, and then the next match they'll play a team that's towards the bottom of the table and lose 6-0. Like, I don't know what just happened. I don't know how you forgot how to play soccer, but chances are as they had a team do well, they called them up, and then they just get left with the scraps. So, but I hope they turn around because Atlanta United has a fun fan base, which we'll be playing them soon. Uh, the actual first team. So looking forward to that. Yeah. How is that? Uh, I think what every preseason, um, you guys typically will play a game, um, at least one game against, uh, Atlanta United. And from my understanding, it's usually the game where fans are able to attend uh, yeah. for that here. So how is, how it, how is playing them? And I know it's a preseason friendly, but how is that environment when when, you, when MLS comes to town? So this is the second year we've done this. Our first season, I don't remember us playing. We definitely didn't play Atlanta United, but I don't remember playing a big team for our first season. But last year, it was electric because they brought their fans because it was a close match. Um, and there's a lot of Atlanta United fans in Birmingham. Uh, the SG, the supporters section, was really fun. Because we straight up said, you're not going to wear Atlanta United gear in the supporter section. Like, we don't care if you are a season ticket holder. If you show up wearing Atlanta United gear, sit in the general admission. We don't care. (laughs) Go somewhere else. And so there was a lot of people who were sitting on the other side of the supporter section. And they were getting it from us because we were uh, we ended up tying. And I think at one point we had a lead. I don't remember. But when we had that lead, it was just... I mean, it was just a whole lot of heckling, a whole lot of just stuff like that. Cause we can't pop smokes um, at BBVA because of the interstate being right there, uh, which yes, I get it. But also they shoot off tens of thousands of dollars of fireworks for, for the Barons. I don't know what the difference is other than it's colored. Anyway, that's beyond the point. <laughs> Basically we were just heckling Atlanta United fans about how they're useless without their smoke and how, you know, they're how they're losing to a USL team. And eventually, you know, they wore you down. They kind of what they ended up beating us three, two. I still stand by that. The Atlanta United player was off sides. I saw <laughs> it clear as day. He was off. Apparently he wasn't, but for my own sake, he was, um, but it took a 93rd minute winner from them for to beat us uh two three or three two so it was a fun environment it was loud and we were trying to out chant those guys they were trying to out chant us it was it was just a environment yeah electric environment 
So I'm going to turn the conversation probably to a little bit more sadder story uh, for you guys. Recapping last year, um, you guys finished second in the group, which on the surface seems good. However, how you ended the year, uh, you know, what you lost, what you didn't, you had one win in September and what four losses, including October and one tie against Memphis. Uh, yeah. To me, what that, that loss to Memphis on October 3rd, number one, it cost you the group. And later we found out that, you know, it cost you the Open Cup this year. Uh, Because had you beat Memphis, you would have been first in your group and you would have got to, uh, you know, participate in the uh, Invitational Open Cup, I call it uh, this year, since it's not a true Open Cup. So thoughts on uh, last year and kind of what happened towards the end of the year, because you started out hot. You know, yeah. going you know from July to August, you only had one loss, three ties, and then it seems like you know the wheels fell off the bus. Yeah, you know, the end of the year, of course, Memphis gets their first win against us in five years, including the MPSL and in whatever NSLs, whichever one they are, and PDL. Of course, they get their first one. Then, congrats, that was your con- you know a nice little prize for you to finish last in the table. I'm proud of you. Anyway. Um, yeah, we, we fell apart. And if you look at the very beginning, our second match was against the Rowdies who Tampa Bay, who that was by all match. second was against Charleston. Uh, was it? Wow. Yeah. Okay. You, yeah it was our July, second. It was our 15th. You beat the uh, Memphis nine, uh, nine, one, three, Oh, you went on the road to Charleston, uh, Charleston and, then, and one, two, one. And then your second home match is why you probably associate yes. it as the second. Yes. Uh, was a one, one draw against the Rowdies. Yeah. So with the Rowdies, which their back line is probably the best USL has ever seen. And I really mean that I have not seen a back line like theirs ever in the USL. They're so good Forrest lasso. Mm-hmm. is just a freak. Um, but we went toe to toe with them. And if you go back and watch that match, we were the much better team. Mm-hmm. And from there, we started really rolling. But eventually, when you start playing the same teams three, four times, people start figuring out who you are. And our back line was destroyed. Bolu Akinode, bless his soul. He is a wonderful player. He is just so talented and great. He's a defensive midfielder that had to play center back for most of the season because Matthew Laurent tore his ACL again, which was so sad to see because he was a hammers guy. He came from the hammers with us and it was sad to see, but we had a defensive midfielder playing center back, which was not ideal, but a lot of teams realized that we were counterattacking them like crazy. I mean, legitimately i believe that we are the fastest team at least in the east if you watch our passing mm-hmm. legitimately this is not me being a homer i try whenever i watch the, the game that's I okay try for to, a homer we all are <laughs> yeah i try my hardest to remove my emotions from it mm-hmm. but i legitimately believe that legion have the best one touch passes in all tiers of soccer in the u.s and i think it comes from coach stone uh, being starting off as a indoor player. He was a professional indoor player before he ever played in MLS, which you can see that with the way the team plays, but teams realized that and just started giving us the ball. And we started holding more and more possession, 
but we couldn't play as fast as we wanted to. We actually had to slow down and build up attacks, which didn't work. We weren't very good at it. And that was the issue is we really only knew one style of play. And that was fast counterattacks, which we would do because eventually the other team would try to go for an attack and we'd catch them out. But most teams were content on zero, zero draws or one nil wins as opposed to trying to score a lot, which sucked. And our back line being depleted, having two midfielders in the back line, it definitely wore on, wore on us. Hmm. Uh, yeah. You I, can see like the last, you know, had three to Charlotte, uh, Miami FC, but they were dumpster fire last yeah. year. They didn't score any. North Carolina scored two at uh, two, and then of course Memphis scored three, yeah. and then of course in the playoffs, you know the Rowdies, but you know Rowdies, you know put four on you guys, but yeah. uh, just was a rough way. And, and like I said, doing kind of research for here, I didn't realize that that loss to Memphis kept you guys out of, you know, out of, uh, out of the out of the Open Cup, which you know to me I was like, ooh, that has to sting a little bit, knowing. Uh, knowing that yeah a little bit but it's in the end it's okay because looking at this year it's probably going to be a congested schedule again and honestly maybe not as congested but still pretty bad <laughs> and a u.s open cup if we were to make a run in that we'd be exhausted and we just don't have that kind of depth the only reason why I counter that is because it is the Invitational Open Cup. It's five matches as opposed to the others. But, yeah, you've got to have that deep squad. And it's something that we've kind of discussed because it's, what, uh, May and June is when it's going to be wrapped in. Do you kind of sacrifice a little bit of the USL season, um, depending on you know depending on how many teams make the playoffs you know, in, in USL, which I don't think they've released as of yet? If it's three or four per group, um, do you sacrifice a little bit early to you know to be able to try to make that run? Um, you know, because I think all of us as USL fans would love to see a USL team uh, be able to get into the Con- Concacaf Champions League just for just sure. once, just to open up that door uh, for that here. But so moving on changes the season. Um, okay, there's one name which I know you've addressed it on one of your episodes. Uh, Junior Flemings, uh, me being in the West and and having a lot of conversations with rising fans and loyal fans. Um, it was a hot topic, especially in the West. I know the East is a, a semi-different league, you could kind of say. Um, but for USL and, and just US soccer, it, it was a story with um, his on-field uh issues uh in san diego the the last game of, of the regular season and i know you mentioned you addressed it you know in episode eight that the actions we don't condone um but you know you know with you know san diego loyal rising you know the player uh player affected um fleming's in my opinion coming out with a half-hearted attempt at an apology if yeah. you, if you'll call it it won't really say he did apologize and and my bigger issue was how he threw his teammates under the bus and rising by by not you know owning up to it and them stepping up to the plate for him saying hey no he's a good guy because prior to that he you know had a pretty clean record you know, you know at least publicly from from what we know um but 
changes the season. Obviously, yeah, anytime you talk with Birmingham, it's, it is going to be a question that gets answered. Flemings, you know, number one, you know, I know he's on a short, short leash. Number two, what does he bring to the team? You know, assuming that, you know, assuming that he is on the field and that, uh, um, you know, you know, he's, he's improved, um, you know, from, you know, from, from the incident uh, from last year off the field. So I want to address the incident itself. And I, like you said, I did talk about it in episode eight, Mm -hmm. but I feel like a little bit more time to sit on it. Uh, my ideas are kind of the same, but I have a better opinion of how to say it. He needs a short leash. There is no doubt about that. If there's something that comes out of the locker room, if he says something at practice or, you know, if he says it anywhere, he needs to be gone. There's just no way around that. I am all for second chances. And I think Birmingham is the perfect place for him because as we talked about, the civil rights movement was a massive thing in Birmingham. It sparked change in all of America. And I think if there's any place that could spark this kind of change and change a person and change someone's heart, I think it could be Birmingham, especially since the front office, they talked with the supporters section. They talked to the front office of the supporters group first. They said, this is something we're thinking about. How do you feel about this? They went to the LGBT groups within Birmingham and talked to them, said, would you be comfortable with this? They went to Phoenix. They went to San Diego. They went to the player himself. They went to Landon Donovan. And I think the front office went about it in the correct way. And something else that's happening is that we're working hand-in-hand with the LGBT groups within Birmingham. And so he's going to get a lot of face-to-face experience with the people he admittedly hurt. Mm -hmm. And I think this is going to show his true character because if that doesn't change him, nothing will. And his second chance is... It needs to be done like that needs to be cut off. But I think we have a lot of leaders within the locker room, especially a guy you mentioned yourself, which is Mikey Lopez. He will not put up with it, especially seeing the things that he does off the field. Mm -hmm. If there's anybody that's going to keep him in line or put him, put junior in his place, it's going to be Mikey. And not just that his striking partner up top, which is Nico Brett, is also a Jamaican national. And I feel like that kind of friendship, that kind of connection there, that's a person that could get home to him. That's someone who could talk to him and probably could talk to him in a way that other people couldn't. Right. I think Birmingham is the perfect place for him. But if he screws up once or even has a small slip up, he needs to be out. That said, on the field, dude's a freak. Dude <laughs> is so good. It's unfortunate. So it's so un- – and it just fits into that same system we talked about earlier about how we're so fast. We play the counterattack. Junior, for what happened and how his lack of apology, and that can be nitpicked and criticized for days, mm-hmm. it's hard to criticize his on-the-field performance. Right. He, he has to me, so he was good. the MVP last year. I know. Yes. I think it was Asante that won it. Yes. But – which I didn't think he was the MVP of his own team, let alone of, of the league, but that's a whole separate discussion. Um but minus that San Diego game, and, and you can't take it out just because of what the incident was, he was the MVP of the league. He was the best player of the league. And to be able to get him, I won't say at a discount because I think that. Um, kind of did, though. <laughs> well, it's, 
It's one of those where you're getting him at reduced value at, at a discount. You are getting him at a discount at a low if you're if you're talking about like stocks. You're buying low, you know, whereas where, where he has the potential to really zoom back up. Right. Um, you know, I don't know how to word it any different than that. So. No, and he fits in with our style really well. He has his striking partner with Nico, which if they want to start Nico with him, cool. If they want to make it a one striker up top and Nico plays one day or comes and then Junior comes in as a sub or vice versa, that works as well. But you have a guy who I think should have been in contention for at least uh, the Eastern Conference MVP, which was Bruno Lapa, who dude is just does everything and he just looks so good while doing it he is easily the best player on our team last year and he can he just drops dimes and a guy like that who can play a beautiful long ball put it right at his feet or the guy who sees the run happening like bruno that's just going to be lethal up top which kind of goes into the whole thing which we're going to get there to other signings i'm sure but our offense can win a team a championship our offense will beat just about anybody which is why i said i didn't want to play tampa bay Mm -hmm. because that's the one defense i think could legitimately just crush us that could stop us if and that's kind of why i wanted to play them is to see how well we stack up against them but i'm also glad we don't have to deal with that (laughs) i think you'll still play them though I, i still think they may not be in your in your division but i think you guys play what oh, we play eight i think you guys play how many do you guys play four yeah i think you guys play four or um four uh because eight and eight is so 14 are you playing four is 28 so yeah you have four games um mm-hmm. outside of that you know you're probably going to play outside of your division you would think that the Rowdies, since they are a regional rivalry, uh, would would be played. Now the question yeah. is, do you play you know home and away, or is it just you know one of those one offs uh, for out here? And, and that's where we'll have to see. But I, I still hope you see the Rowdies and Birmingham play. Um, I know the young unused substitutes. Uh, you know, I also listen to them. Um, yeah, I remember remember them talking as you mentioned the banter to to Birmingham. Uh, a, a little bit here uh so uh, hopefully usl is listening in, in tampa but you know if you can you know whisper since you're right there <laughs> you know please make sure the legion and rowdies play you know you know whether it's home and home or you know one and you know one in a way uh make sure it happens so obviously flemings is the big signing here but what other signings um you know, are, are, you know, should people know about Birmingham um, this year that, that they signed, you know, that that's going to make, make an, make a, uh, a, uh, going to make a difference on the pitch. So junior was the big splash signing, but I think he was the least important of all of them. We made two signings. We lost Bolu. He has gone down to Miami for a 15 K transfer fee. So we lost our defensive midfielder slash center back. And Matthew Laurent, it's gone now because of his ACL. I hope he recovers. I love that kid to death. I say kid, he's older than me. But <laughs> um, we made two signings. The most impactful would definitely be uh, Fanuel Cavita, mm-hmm. um, who 
by all accounts, many people say he got snubbed last year for USL Team of the Year. He was arguably one of the best center backs in all of USL. Uh, we got him for a free because he was on St. Louis. Um, dude is a monster, and he fits really well besides Alec, beside Alex Granoli, mm-hmm. who is just a uh, – he will stand in front of you and he will be a brick wall and he won't back down. Uh, Fanuel, he is still a – he still has that brick wall mentality, but he has a little bit more finesse to him and really good passing to him, which can really start a – an offensive attack, which we have seen Legion likes to do. Our other one is Ryan James. He is going to probably be our back line. I think he's a left left back, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, basically, the signing of Ryan, he can play the center of the pitch. He played center mid several times for Pittsburgh. He was a captain for Pittsburgh. Um, he was their team captain, team MVP last year. And it also allows Mikey to not play the back line anymore. I and Jay Heaps came on my show and said Mikey's going to be playing midfield, okay. which is what we want. What he we should want, be playing. He should, but we were just so injured last year. He had to play that back line. Um, the way that we're setting up, uh, realistically, a uh, three-man back line uh, and then just two wingers and Ryan James and um, – Johnny Dean, who Johnny Dean might legitimately be the fastest player in USL. Um, he is, those guys can just go up and attack, which Johnny Dean has a, he's a fine defender, but he definitely likes to go up on the attack and stay. <laughs> so it'd be nice to give him a little bit more free reign. Um, but we are one injury away from the back line department from being in deep trouble again. Which is why well, I hope it's still we early. They're probably it's like we only have three defender or four defenders signed right now. Um, so we, you know, it, well, I think we have three, yeah, three defenders quote on the roster. Although we think uh, uh, one of the midfielders is going to be going back because we also do the three five, uh, three five two up top um, for that here. So. <sighs> I wouldn't really worry so much because I think with the depth, at least with San Antonio, they always bring in three or four players right at the end, you know, that either don't get caught or get cut or fringe MLS that get loaned out. So, you know, I, I could see a couple of more defenders coming in, uh, you know, both to Legion and obviously to San Antonio. They've already said that they, there will be, you know, because Candace run has been a roster yep. uh, for that here. Academy wise, you know, I, I didn't bring this up with you, but you know, I know San Antonio, it's an important part of of the team, uh, and I say team because I know San Antonio said that they want to have at least forty percent of the roster to be from the area. You know, whether it's, you know you went to college or you've gone through the academy or you know you're San Antonio born. Um, just real quick here for Legion, you know, do they have Academy set up yet? And, and is that starting to pay off as of yet? Uh, sorta. So we're starting, we're in the, the Y league there and Legion has their own league, which every match day they highlight on their Twitter account, a, you know, a youth Academy player of the week. And they'll have like one or two up there, which is really cool. And they're starting them young and they're building them up. We, Technically, the Hammers were kind of our youth academy when we first started. We brought all of our guys who were in college the year before. They brought them with us. Um, 
guys like Matthew Laurent, Johnny Dean was the Hammers, and JJ Williams, who we re-signed, is was the well, Hammers guy. He was on loan twice, right? Yeah, <laughs> technically, yes, we signed him this time, but he's that was back. a big deal. According, you know, it wasn't historic or epic. You know, you know how we announce things over in the West, but uh, yeah. From my understanding, you know, following you know the, the Legion Twitter, it was it was a big deal that he's officially ours mm-hmm. compared to being loaned, even, even though he's played what three seasons, I think. Yeah, so this will be his third season with you guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, for that, yeah. So, like, those are players that we've had. The big one who you could kind of call an academy, not really, sort of, he's the closest thing we have right now is Jaden Cervania, who is a Puerto Rico national team. He has capped with the Puerto Rico national team recently. He's a Birmingham guy. Uh, he is brother, the younger brother of Braden, Cer- Braden Cervania, who is now in Europe playing. Um, it's it's a big deal to get Birmingham guys, or at least Alabama guys. Mm-hmm. We have four people on the roster right now who are Birmingham, who are from the area. Uh, whenever Chandler Hoffman around, he was around. He was our native son. He was our original. Mm-hmm. Jaden Cervania is a Birmingham guy. JJ Williams is a Montgomery guy. Uh, someone else is it Johnny Dean? I think it is. Who is a who is a Huntsville guy? So really, it's branching out to all of Alabama because unlike Texas, is there's one team. <laughs> Technically, North Alabama SC is a thing, sorta. And AFC Mobile does their thing, but they're a good team. AFC Mobile is a, a solid team, um, but they're not professional. Correct, and that's the pool of Legion. So we're the only team that's really getting the grabs, except for maybe Atlanta, which they have a they have their little foster or their little academy thing set up in Hoover, which is out in the Birmingham area. But Legion are still getting more of the spoils. So expectations for this year. Um, and I'm going to start it off with the coach. Uh, how do you pronounce his name? Tom Sohe? Tom, Tommy Sohn. Coach Sohn. Or if you want to make it easier, because he would drop off beer to the tailgate before every match. <laughs> so looking at his record and just going off, uh, you know, SAFC's Darren Powell time frame, it's not bad, but it's not great either. So he's had 55 games. 21 wins, 23 losses, and 11 ties. This will be year three for him. Um, expectations, you know, for this year, does his seat start to get a little bit warm if 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 they don't meet expectations like playoffs, or do you think he's still safe, you know, just because this is year three of Birmingham? I think it depends on how the club wants to take it because – I hate saying this because technically I'm a part of that generation, but the Mm -hmm. instant gratification, that whole generation, a lot of the younger fans are very, very sure with Tommy Uh, coach. Some, a lot of people are saying he needs to win at least one playoff game, maybe two for him to have a successful year because we have the roster to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of fans, a lot of younger fans who, are on Twitter, who are on social media, who will be the loudest voices in public forums, don't have a lot of patience for a coach son. But a lot of our older guys, I say older, I would probably say like 30 plus. That's (laughs) 30 plus, not really old, but when it comes to soccer in America, the older guys, they're like, 
keep him around a little bit longer. He's still he's still finding his footing. This is still a new club, and year one didn't really count because we're kind of we're kind of he was kind of hand tied. We're yeah. an expansion team. We're hand tied because our ownership decided they wanted to help a little bit more in the roster process. I love Chandler Hoffman to death, but it's very obvious that neither coach son nor Jay heaps wanted him. And that strained them a lot because he was an expensive signing. Mm -hmm. And I think we're just now recovering from that one signing. Um, the thing is, is that the culture that coach son and Jay have, have built here is amazing. I mean, I think we have, six different players who have captained a professional team, a fully professional team just in our lineup. So we have a lot of a really a lot of professionals in our organization, which starts with Coach Stone. And the the older guys get it. But unfortunately the club will be hearing more from the younger guys like myself who are going to be having a shorter leash with him. I'll say this. Because to me, this sounds a lot like Coach Pal, and I love him. He was—he's a great guy, and you know, if you talk to him, he'll—you know—you know, like I said here, whenever we were out, you know, the games, you know, the 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 sponsored events, um, we would go away, uh, we'd travel away. He would always, you know, he's a great guy. So human side that was there, but to me, you know, and you mentioned this kind of earlier in the conversation, where. Once it seems like the league figured him out, he didn't make the adjustments needed to kind of counter that. Right. And I know it's Coach Powell. We were kind of where you were at year year two. Year one, we kind of were knocking on the playoffs. Year two, we had a really good year, um, you know, because we had Sebastian Agabaga, you know, who was the you know USL player of the year or defensive player of the year, went to uh, MLS and is still on the – um, still on um, the NYCFC, but year three, you saw where the league kind of say, okay, hey, this is where you're, this is where you're at, this is what you're gonna do. They made adjustments, and in from us, it just didn't seem like that he readjusted his style from them. Um, and so year three, we we missed the playoffs by one game, um, you know, again, and you know, th then. You know, year four. Um, you know, he, he. You know, year four. Uh, I think it was yeah, year four. Because uh, this is you know, year four. He came back, and they said, "Hey, things are going to change." And once again, you know, we uh, we missed out as as well uh, for that here. So a lot of us feel like they held on to him one year too long uh, for that here, and that's what I. You know, it's one of those things. It's a fine line where. I think this is really a pivotal year for him to where are we going to see what happened at the end of the year or is he going to be able to make adjustments? And, and I know, I know you mentioned the squad was hampered by injuries and, and, you know, it was a COVID year and, you know, it was just an odd year all around, um, you know, to where maybe you kind of forgive him. But the reason why I asked is, he, is his seat kind of warm is just because he does have history and I think this year, I think this year is an important year for him and and for the Legion going forward. Um, you know, just you know, do you guys take that next step or do you guys stay kind of mid table ish? You know, because you guys, I think, what finished seventh and tenth, yep, uh, tenth first year, seventh, uh, you know, the uh, in the East, which 
moving on to expectations for this year. So I find, yeah, I think we get told that the mountain division is kind of weak, but when I look at the central, it's yeah, it's top heavy. There's three playoff teams that I think you can, you can lock. Um, well, four, uh, I'll, I'll say there's four and then there's three, um, three others. I think Louisville, I think most people would say is the clear number one. Um, I think number two between Indy, Tulsa, who I think, you know, I probably overvalue Tulsa um, based on, you know, what people give me feedback on, but I really liked what Tulsa did. Um, and the Legion, I, I think, are the three that will battle out. And if it's only, if it's the top four that make it, then, you know, I think those are your clear four. Um Energy FC, I think Suck. we have to kind of wait and see how they turn out because they're kind of they're changing things. Um, SKC two and Atlanta two, both uh, you know two teams, and then you have Memphis, which I don't think they know what they are as of yet. I don't think they they're signing players, but they don't have a coach, uh, right? At least officially, um, don't have a coach. And uh, if if I'm picking, I'm picking, you know, you know, and of course I'm not making my final claim yet but just as of today i got memphis at the bottom of the group and it's probably not even close um you know just just based yep. on roster moves and, and who they're bringing in and, and not saying they're not bringing in quality players but they're not the top quality you know that i think you would expect from an independent team for that here so no expectations for legion playoffs are bust or so I I have a small disagreement with some of the things you said. Um, right. I think Tulsa is a lock. I definitely think Tulsa is a lock. I think they're going to be a sneaky team that's going to beat somebody mm -hmm. that no one's expecting. Um, I don't believe in Indy at all. You don't? Um, they, are a t they are a team in the last their final stretch of games, if I remember correctly, out of 36 they, they points. They, 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 they found it, yeah. And it was not even just a short period of time. Like we bottled it, they completely fell apart. Their wheels came completely off. And the only person that you could say is the improvement was Cal Jennings, which came from Memphis. But Indy has lost all their best players. Mm -hmm. Evan Newton's gone. Ian Tyler, I can never pronounce his last name. It starts with a P. Um, he's and gone. He's in San Antonio. Yay. Yeah. And so they lost all their good players and they did not restock at least not with the quality of players that they had that already fell apart at the end of the year. Maybe a new squad is what they needed and they're going to have fan support, which will help. Mm -hmm. But from what I saw last year, I don't believe in Indy. I think if there's a four, I think if there's four, well, you think it's top three then with Tulsa, you and, and obviously Louisville city. Yeah, so I think if there's four teams that make it, I think Indy is going to be fighting for fourth or third. Um, outside that, depending on what Birmingham team shows up and how well we match up against Louisville, because Louisville has a lot of offensive power too, but I don't really believe in their back line as much. And they lost Ben Lunt, who was by all accounts one of the best keepers in all of USL. How are they going to fill that gap in between the sticks? Because he was a stud. Um, I think Birmingham, their ceiling is first. I think that's safe to say Birmingham could legitimately fi finish first. 
Um, realistically, I think we're second. I think Louisville finishes first, but if we finish first, I wouldn't be shocked. After that, I think it's Tulsa and Indy because, like you said, Memphis is bad. OKC, they're bad. Um, and two knotted, they're bad. And the thing is, is the sneaky one is going to be KC2 because last year they had a good year. They had a pretty good year last year. Relative. They were in a tough group, yeah. They, to me, they were kind of – they were hot and cold. They they outperformed, I think, expectations of what uh, – uh, last year, I'll, I'll admit, I thought they were going to be one of the worst teams, and they held their own in, in probably the toughest division last year um, outside of the West with Phoenix, uh, OC, San Diego, and Las Dos, and then you yeah. had the lights. But I think – those two divisions uh, were probably the two toughest uh, last year. I agree uh, with that. And I and KC showed that they could hang. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see what KC does because they could either be really good or they could just be meh. If they finish and, fourth, I wouldn't be shocked. And I will say, going back to the Swope Park years, um, Kansas, uh, you know, sporting KC is not afraid to – move players down for big games. I'll just yeah. leave it at that. <laughs> and they will be last minute. Oh, Hey, why is he down here? So yeah, um, that is the, that's the wild card with uh, SKC too. Um, but I agree with you. I think Birmingham and everybody says Louisville city, but they bring back a majority of their roster and the majority of their rosters getting a little bit long in the tooth. Um, They're quality, but, you know, that, you know, and I know they've kind of restocked, you know, the cupboard a a little bit here, but I keep waiting for Louisville city to kind of take that, take that step back and, and to be fair to them, they haven't. And of course they got the new stadium, which um, hopefully this year they'll be able to, uh, do more than they did last year. Um, you know, and, and like I said here, you know, if San Antonio plays there, I'll definitely be making the trip up, you know, to see that stadium, you know, depending on schedule wise, uh, for that here. But, uh, <clears throat> any final thoughts, uh, that you have here, Kaylor, like I said, here, I thought it was a fun conversation. I learned a lot about, uh, Birmingham, uh, for it here. And, and like I said here to me, you're, you're, you're my sleeper pick to come out of the East. Um, I won't say, um, to me, you're kind of, you've got that, that Pittsburgh feel where you're never going to be, you know, the, the, the A-list with Tampa and Louisville, but you're always going to be in the mix, you know, for that here. And I think that's the history that, that, uh, um, that you guys are building in, in like said here, I think, but I do think this is an important year for you guys to take that next step forward. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this season for a lot of reasons. I think more so than what happens on the pitch, I'm really excited to see what happens off of it. Um, This year, the club has a fantastic opportunity to make a real staple, a real stamp on the community. Whether it's uh, like Jay said, he wants to start, uh, Jay being our president, he said he wants to start, having you know soccer camps and soccer after school soccer for students for free you know stuff like that getting kids interested get parents interested i'm ready to see and then working with lgbt communities and working with 
you know, the Civil Rights Museum. I'm ready to see the cultural impact that Legion has because this year I think is a fantastic opportunity. Uh, on the pitch, I'm ready to see what step we make because year one, we were a scrappy defensive team that would hold, you know, that would park the bus and then just, you know, we would score like a 35-yard banger and then that'd be about it. So last year becoming a real offensive threat. So I'm excited to see what team shows up this year and maybe it's going to be somewhere down the middle. And just overall, I'm so excited for the season to freaking start. <laughs> I, I want to schedule. I want to be able to know, hey, where can I go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, I really do appreciate you, uh, Kaylor, you know, coming on. And like I said here, I know I've just recently picked up on on your podcast that, that came across my line. And, and like I said here, um, as anybody who follows me knows that uh, – um, I try to promote as much uh, USL podcasts and, and other podcasts, to be fair, as well. Um, you know, outside of MLS, I, I don't really do a lot of promoting of MLS. But uh, with this show, I am going to be a little bit more open uh, to MLS. I keep saying that here, and I, I will have uh, <laughs> some, uh, you know, I think in, I've got Cincinnati, uh, you know, just kind of coming on. And it's let more. Me, let me tell you. That was my team before Legion came around. That was I was a Cincinnati guy, dude. I went to their first ever inaugural match. Oh, oh, I I love Cincinnati, not as much as Legion now, but yeah, I'm a big Cincy guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm trying to set up to have them on because I I think now that we're what year three, I think from them yep. gone from you know from the league there where they're opening up a new stadium. Um, you know, I'm going to have one of the guys on from Cincy Soccer Talk to kind of go how that transition, you know, how they went from the kings of USL, because uh, they were Phoenix before Phoenix, uh, you know, for that here. Um, all playoff-wise, it is still, you know, that, that's something that I'll, I'll bring up, uh, and you know, for them, that they've never won a game. Yes, they advanced, yeah. but they didn't never won a game. They never won. Uh, uh, you know, after crushing it, uh, I think is the term that they used. Crush the league, um, yeah. <laughs> so, but and then MLS has gone the exact opposite. Like USL, it was all hey roses. MLS has been you know wooden spoons. You know we'll, we'll just say here. Um, so I'm excited about that coming. You know coming up here. Um, also going to be talking with the guys from Austin FC. Um, you know the podcast Moontower uh, reached out to them to kind of touch base, and then I'll probably do Dallas and, and Houston as well. But um, trying to, you know, broaden the horizons with, you know, you know, more cross league conversations, because I think while we're all protective of our leagues, I think we find that outside of the mechanisms placed by us soccer, I think that most of us, you know, are, are very similar and have the same goals of, you know, Hey, rooting the team, you know, you know, the game day environments and stuff like that, which, you know, I'm hoping to be able to kind of bring out. Yeah, um, expand my horizons. That's why I reached out to you to do a little bit more on the East because I'll watch the East, but you know, it's oh hey, that's nice. It's like watching a different league. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then of course I do my own. You know, we do uh, you know SA Soccer Roundtable uh, that focuses on SAFC and and you know the surrounding uh, teams. You know, high school and college here and, and semi pro. So. But really do appreciate you coming on, Kaylor. Uh, it was a pleasure con uh, conversation with you. And, and 
if we do get to play this year, we'll have to do it again. And, and for sure, time, uh, you have questions. Uh, don't be afraid to uh, be afraid to reach out to me. For sure, man. I had a great time, and yeah, this was a fun conversation. So appreciate it. I think the pork chops are done. So I'm waiting for <laughs> the wife to uh, say, "Hey, Harry, where are you?" So um, I'm going to go ahead and end it here. Uh, thank you for everybody tuning in. Like I said, here we'll get this posted up, and then like I said, here we'll have uh, some more episodes coming out soon. Here, thank you. Thank you.